Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you this morning. Thank you because I'm anointed to teach your word. Your people are anointed to receive. We yield ourselves to the ministration of the Spirit in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's turn our Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 18 as we bring um, this subject to a conclusion and we see how the Father will lead us going forward. But in Ezekiel chapter 18, we're going to quickly, if you read from verse 1, it says, the word of the Lord came again to me, the word of the Lord came to me again, saying, what do you mean when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, the fathers have eaten salt graves, and the children's teeth are set on the edge. As I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. You shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine, the soul of the father, as well as the soul of the son is mine. The soul whose sins shall die, but if a man is just and does what is lawful and right, if he has not eaten on the mountains, nor lifted up his eyes to idols, and if you go down and go down and to verse 9, if he has walked in my statutes and kept my judgments faithfully, he is just. He shall surely live, says the Lord God. Verse 10, if he begets a son who is a robber, and then the Bible goes on to talk about all the evil things that this boy is doing, and uh, if you go to verse 13, it says, If he has exerted usury or taken increase, shall he then leave? He shall not leave. If he has done any of these abominations, he shall surely die. His blood shall be upon him. Verse 14, If however he begets a son who sees all the sins. Please look at this, very important. If however he begets a son who sees all the sins which his father has done, and considers but does not do likewise, who has not eaten on the mountains, nor lifted his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, nor defiled his neighbor's wife and all that. Uh, verse 17. Who has withdrawn his hand from the poor and not received usury or increase, but has executed my judgment and walked in my statutes, he shall not die for the iniquity of his father. He shall surely live. As for his father, because he, he cruelly oppressed, robbed his brother by violence, and did what is not good among his people, Behold, he shall die for his iniquity. In Ezekiel chapter 18, God presents three scenarios to us. The scenario of a father um, who was righteous and a son who was wicked. And another son who saw the wickedness of his father and decided to be righteous. But essentially, what God was showing us from this scripture is that everyone is responsible for their sins. And that this proverb should no longer be used in Israel. But God goes further. Verse 19. Yet you shall say, Why shall the son not bear the guilt of the father? Like we say today, Why, do, why should people not suffer for what their father has done? Because the son has done what is lawful and right, And has kept all my statutes, And observed them, He shall surely live. The soul whose sins shall die, The soul shall not bear the guilt of the father, Nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness... That word is going to be important to us today. So pay attention to it. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself. And the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But 
This is very important. But if a wicked man turns from all his sins, which he has committed, keeps all my statutes, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. God says, regardless of the wickedness of a man, if he turns to the Lord, his sins are forgiven. Now, imagine, this is somebody that God recognizes is wicked. And God is saying, listen, if this man will turn, his sins will be forgiven. Not to talk of you who have an active relationship with God. But let's read on, interestingly. None of the transgressions, everybody say none. I want you to say it one more time. Say none. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him. Observe the word against. Which means that it will not be remembered for his disadvantage. Not just remembered, but I said when you read the Bible, pay attention to what? To details. It shall be re- she shall not be remembered against him. That means you cannot use this to judge him. Because of the righteousness which he has done, he shall live. Look at this. But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness of which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed because of them he shall die. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not fair. Hear now, O house of Israel, is it not my, is it not my way which is fair and your ways which are not fair? When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity and dies in it, it is because of the iniquity which he has done that he dies. He says, it's because of what you've done. So, Christianity is not absolving you of a, a, a responsibility of your actions. This is not a message to say, go live the way you want. No. Does sin have consequences? Absolutely. But what we're saying is you cannot be having the curses from your father. It's not true. You can find it in the scriptures. Let's build on. Let's build on. It's good to read passages. Let's just read. Verse 26. Okay, verse 27. Again, when a wicked man turns away from the wickedness which are committed and does what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive. So observe two turnings here. One, a righteous man turns to become a wicked man. Compromise. And a wicked man turns to become a righteous man. Why is God playing with these thoughts? God is just trying to teach us the power of repentance. That at any point in your life, if you make the adjustment, your past is forgiven. Are you following what I'm saying? Some of us don't understand the importance of salvation. It literally blots your sins away. That's why, see, we cannot preach a message by our past. You know, some people come, you don't praise the Lord, I'm going to give your life to Christ. I was a former armed robber, I used to kill people, you know, I was in, I was a, a, a queen of the water, I was number two. If you were number two inside water, you, 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 you came to land and you are number seven billion. You know, just stay where number two is. And then people think that's what we prompt people to salvation. Your being a former mammy water is not the gospel. That's not the gospel. What's the gospel? That Jesus paid the price for our sin. Observe this. That's why you see people who build ministry on those things. After two years, three years, five years, the ministry don't exist anymore. You know why? We have heard the testimony before. You were former number two. You were four. It's not the gospel. 
Are you following what I'm saying? Come on. I said, are you following what I'm saying? Your past is no more powerful than righteousness. Praise the name of the Lord. And look at this. You know, we like all those stories because that's what excites us. That's how somebody will, after, after, according to Pastor Bank, he said, I don't know which type of weed the person has smoked, came out and said, ah, it was in hellfire or was in heaven. I saw somebody with earrings. And people who went to school and paid school fees stopped wearing earrings. You know why some people don't take us seriously? Yes, verse, verse 28. Because he considers and turns, and let me, let me explain this to you. Listen, when you see all those videos on WhatsApp, stop sharing them. Don't be part of, don't be part of, of the, the, what will I call it now? Verse 28. Because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Verse 29. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not fair. O house of Israel, is it not my ways which are fair and your ways which are not fair? You know, it's like they are in a competition with God. Like what we say, God comes and says, hey, your sins are forgiven. You're no more under the curse. And he will say, no, you still have part of the curse. It's like saying, God, no, your ways are not fair. Our ways are fair. People have to suffer for what their fathers have done. And look at this. Verse 30. Therefore, I'll judge you, O house of Israel, every one of you according to his ways. Look at that line. We are still in Ezekiel 18. And I've told you, if you meet any preacher who teaches generational curses, ask them to explain Ezekiel chapter 18 from verse 1 to the end. It nullifies every basis. It nullifies every basis. In fact, I didn't want to go there because of time, but if you read, if you, if you read the book of Deuteronomy where it says, I will visit the iniquity of the, um, of the fathers on the children, the context of that was national judgment, not individuals. Go back and study it. The context, God was not talking to individuals. He was talking about national judgment. That if you serve idols, I will visit the idolatry of your parents on you. And if you, like I said, I don't want to go because it will take us a bit out of what we are dealing with. But if you read that scripture also, it was not the devil visiting. It was God saying, I will visit. So if you use that scripture to teach generational curses, you are you are indirectly saying that God is the source of generational curses. Read it now. Read it again. It says, I will visit. Who said I will visit? So that scripture doesn't even fly. Because God was not speaking to one person. He was speaking to the house of Israel. That's why he started that verse by saying, I am a jealous God. You shall have no other gods before me. He was speaking about national idolatry. Repent and turn from verse 30. Therefore, I'll judge you, house of Israel, every one of you according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgression, so that iniquity will not be your ruin. So I want you to always emphasize because the uh, proverb says, The cause costless shall not come. The root of curses, I'm not just talking about generational curses, now I'm talking about curses. The root of curses is iniquity. 
So he says that repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Look at what he says. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Now, if that's your Bible, you can underline it. A new heart and a new spirit. Now, I want you to observe the word get yourself. A new heart and a new spirit. And this is very, 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 very important. For why should you die, O house of Israel? Now, the new heart and the new spirit is the product of the new birth. You understand that? <laughs> do you understand that? We're going to read it, but do you, do, you, do you get it? He says, listen, I want you to go get yourself a new heart and a new spirit. Because if you get yourself a new heart and a new spirit, what's going to happen? You will turn into righteousness. He says, why do you want to die? Can you see that God, in this conversation, God just wants to see how much he can rescue them. He's giving them options. You know, but Christians of nowadays were not like that. We kill at, 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 at a go. We don't have mercy on people. We don't have, we just want people dead. I don't know how we got here. Well, I know, <laughs> in a way, because a couple of years back, I mean, some of us that are above 35, 36, 40, 40 something, we weren't praying these prayers on campus, were we? Fire by fire prayers. Were we praying the prayers on campus? Nobody's above 35 here. <laughs> so we have a teenage church. Okay. We're, we're not. Until a particular movement started. And the man convinced the whole body of Christ to start praying these prayers. Unfortunately, even Orthodox churches started buying those prayer books. And you dished the Bible and started buying Hasidic prayers. Nuclear prayers. AK-47 prayers. And just threw the Bible away. If it was today's days, Saul would not have made it. The church would have killed him. Ah. <laughs> Just listen to Christians pray. Let's not even go there because I know. <laughs> I remember how someone was saying, uh, about then when Boko Haram was strong and we're praying in church and praying about the situation. When I finished leading the prayers, one guy came to me and said, Sir, the way you are praying, I don't like it. I, I said, What's the problem? Say, Those people, no, there's no mercy. We should kill them. God should judge them. <laughs> Do we have the basis to pray that? He said, No, it's because nothing has happened to you. If, I said, Listen, listen, listen. A missionary in Bauchi was killed by Boko Haram. We had to bury him. But even that day of his burial, we prayed that because he had died on that land, that they would find salvation. So I'm not, I'm not, don't think that I don't have those experiences. Two of my pastor's friends have been murdered. We're not even talking of Fulani headsmen now. I mean, in the height of Boko Haram, go to the house and slash their throats. You don't know 
how many young missionaries' widows that their care is on my heart at my young age for the sake of the gospel. So don't tell me that I don't have experience. We are not preaching this because of what we are going through. We are preaching it because it is the word of God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So don't worry. Uh, by the time they touch somebody that touches you, you will, you will change your gospel. They have touched. And they will still touch. But the truth remains the same. Regardless of what we go through. Until the authority of the word is superimposed upon our experiences, we will teach the fables and myths of men as the truth of God's word. When Peter was to be crucified, he said, I cannot, I mean from church history, now this is not Bible, before you go and look for the verse. He said, I will not be crucified as my savior. And they had to crucify him upside down. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Go and get this book called Fox Book of the Matthias. There's a small copy. There's a big copy if you can find it. Go and read what people have gone through for the gospel. You will not be talking of generational curses. A bishop in those days was to be killed. And they released a beehive of bees. Put him in a room and released bees on him. And while the bees were stinging him, he was singing to the Lord. How many of us have sung this hymn, It is well with my soul? You heard the story of the hymn? Have you heard the story of the hymn? What was the story of the hymn? The man lost his whole family. He lost his whole family and wrote a hymn, It is well with my soul. And when we sing it today, we are happy. You lost your phone. And then you close the gate of church. After saying, this is my year of sweatless triumph. How can I lose my phone? There shall be no loss. Who is that devil? Anybody who picked that phone, he will die. He will not use that phone. That phone, he will never receive good news. And God is just looking like, do you, th- do you think that God is going to put us on the same stand for judgment? No! These guys, they are weak guys. If we judge them, they will all fail. We can't go through stuff. Pastor doesn't visit you, you stop coming to church. They don't call you, you stop. Just weak. Just weak. And that's why Islam is taking over. 15 year old, who can detonate a bomb. She knows that she's not going to be alive. And you interview her parents, they're so happy that their children have done something for Allah. And when there's a young missionary going to the field, why can you not walk? You have to walk so you will not beg. Uh, how can a young man like you? It's because... Let's go to Jeremiah 31 now. Jeremiah 31 verse 21. Or oh, stay a bit there. Stay a bit in Ezekiel. Let's finish that verse. Verse 32. Ezekiel, Ezekiel eighteen thirty-two. For I have no pleasure. Look at this. Ezekiel 18.32 For God speaking, I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies. Whether the righteous or the wicked. God says, I don't have a pleasure in any man dying. God did not create us, listen, for death. He created us for life. That's why no matter what any preacher preach in a funeral, 
when someone dies, we're not happy. Because it was not God's plan from the beginning. Life and immortality has been brought to light through the gospel. Are you following what I'm saying? Look at this. Therefore, turn and leave. God is saying, I don't want you to die. Repent. Sin has consequences. Sin has consequences. And God says, walk away from it. I don't have pleasure in you dying. And that's why, listen to me, it doesn't matter what anybody teaches. I cannot believe a minister authenticating his call to ministry by the death of anyone. God has no pleasure in any man dying. If God has his way, he will want all men saved. That's why he's called us to preach the gospel. To bring this joy to his heart. When we see the sinner, this comes up in our hearts that God doesn't want this one to die. He wants him to live. That's what propels us to the preaching of the gospel. That's what propels us to call men back to Christ. So that our Father has joy. Christianity is not about what God can do for us. It's about co-laboring with God and bringing many to righteousness. That's what Christianity is all about. Praise the name of the Lord. So, get the word new heart and a new spirit. Now, go with me to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31. Whoa, we have a lot of scriptures to go through. Jeremiah 31 verse 29. Jeremiah 31 29. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you there? Jeremiah 31 and verse 29. We're going to read from verse 29 to 31. Look at this. And in those days, they shall say no more, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on the edge. He says, don't say the fathers are, you know what sour grapes are, right? Grape that is sour. Grapes that is sour. That's sour grape. <laughs> okay. You know, and he was talking about this whole thing of generational curses, children paying for the sins of the fathers. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man who eats the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on the edge. Every man, not including the children. Are you still here? Come on, are you still here? Alright. Now look at this. Verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. Now, 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 oh come on, I like this. If you read what we read in Ezekiel 18, you know what God told them? Listen carefully to this. He says, go and get a new heart and a new spirit. I say when you read the Bible, pay attention to details. He says, go and get. Go and get. So, the responsibility of getting the new heart was on them. But when you read this, God is now saying and speaking about coming days. Because right here, he was talking about the coming of Jesus. Look at this verse now. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make. You, you seeing that now? Are you seeing it? Something has changed. He says, go and get. But he says, he was now speaking prophetically now and says, but the days are coming where it, was, it will not be you getting, but I will be making a new covenant. Look at this now. 
When I make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. Now this verse explains why God said that to them in the book of Deuteronomy. Because when he says, remember now, when you read that, what did he say? He says, I'm a jealous God. You know, dad mentioned it. But this is the scripture. He says, because in that covenant, I was a husband to them. Now, because God was a husband to them, (laughs) because God was a husband to them, and they went after other gods, God became jealous. So that was why he was visiting the iniquities. Of the fathers on the children. But but look at this. Where is this now? Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers. Now, something is different about this covenant. Please. It's a bit technical, but just pay attention. If you pay attention, you understand it. Something is different with this covenant. It says, this is not according to the covenant I made with your fathers. Now, what was the covenant he made with the fathers? It was a covenant of your obedience demands your and my response. So they stood before my sign, you know, and God wanted to speak to them. And the voice of the Lord thundered. And he said, No, we don't want to hear. Moses, go hear God and come talk to us. That was the days where prophetic ministry started. God wants every one of you seated here to hear him for yourself. He said, Oh no, go, 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 go and hear your God and talk to us. So Moses went. God gave him the Ten Commandments. <laughs> who was the first man who broke the Ten Commandments? Moses. He came and saw the guy's idolatry. Ah! After staying all these days in the mountain to carve this. You know, do you know how many... <laughs> Let me just talk so that when my time is over, wherever we stop, we stop. Do you know how many pastors die of depression? After you have preached a powerful sermon. You have preached. Imagine after all this preaching, all this research. Somebody now comes to you, ten years later, and say, Pastor... You know, I have reasoned everything I'm going through in life. It's a generational cause. You now look at yourself that I preached this message in 2018. This is 2035. I've wasted 10 years of my life. I mean, I'm telling you the truth. You just feel... And that's what happened to Moses. What happened to Moses? You don't know that pastors are some of the most lonely people in this world? Because they look after everybody. Nobody looks after them. How many of you know my house? Okay. That's why I'm moving to the church now. So that you won't say I don't know pastor's house. <laughs> so on the day of judgment, I say, God, I stayed close to them. Okay. So, I was just joking. <laughs> Where was I? What was I saying? Best what? So I, I like telling two more stories. Okay. So, the, the new covenant... The old covenant, yeah, I remember now. The old covenant, they, they stood and they responded to God. So God says, do this. He said, yes, God, we will do. God said, if you don't do it, I will kill you. Yes, kill us. Do this, I will do. There were not ten commandments. The basic laws that Israel had to keep were 613. If you break one, you've broken all. Simple case. For ladies, if you were in your period, you couldn't serve the Lord. That was a law. 
Are you following? On the Sabbath, no cooking. Those of you who like cooking, on the Sabbath. <laughs> no cooking means don't light firewood. Are you following? If anything was dead, you couldn't touch it. Many laws like that, you, you can you keep. And God says, and listen, God knew that they would not keep the law. The law was given as an, as an occasion for Jesus to come. So he says, in this new covenant, let's read it now. I took them by the hand to lead them out of the hand of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. Says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. What is God saying? He's saying that that old covenant had to do with you responding to something by trying to do something so I will not respond. He says, but what is going to happen in this new covenant is this. I'm going to make this an internal covenant. Internal now, meaning that it is going to be in your heart and in your mind. It's going to be the new covenant and the new spirit. And it's instead of you just walking by the written laws, this law is going to come out from inside of you. It's going to be a product of grace. And all you have to do in this new covenant is to believe in it. So, I wish I had taught some things before I'm teaching this, but I hope we can all understand it. The new covenant, listen carefully, is not between God and man. The old covenant was between God and the children of Israel. The new covenant was between God and Christ. And all, so Christ took our place in the covenant. Because if, if it was between God and us, we will always break it. So what Christ did, he took our place in that covenant and did everything on our behalf. And fulfilled everything in the covenant. And he was sacrificed for our justification. We'll deal with that. Now all we have to do is to say, yes Lord, I believe that you took my place so you take my sin and I take your righteousness and now I'm a righteous man. So the only action required in the new covenant is to believe. That is why Abraham believed God. And it was done what? Accounted to him for righteousness. Now, having said that, we're going to still build on. But I'm going to spend time to teach on the blessing of Abraham. Maybe after our prayer month. The blessing of Abraham is not car. The blessing of Abraham is nothing material. I'll just say that there. Then we'll study it later. Nothing material. When he said, through you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He was simply talking about salvation. Nothing else. Is it true, Abraham, that Bill Gates is blessed? Is it true, Abraham, that Dangote is blessed? No. But through the Abrahamic lineage and seed, any man on the earth who wants to find Christ would find Christ. The blessing of Abraham is the coming of Jesus. 
<laughs> you now hear, God is going to bless you after the order of Abraham. Abraham has 318 servants. You are going to have 450. God will just be wondering, who released these jokers? When a Chinese company, a Chinese man who does not believe in anything, has 1,000 employees, why will he serve your God? You know, the greatest mistake of the Christian faith is that we have taught people that Christianity is a means of making gain. So we attract people with all kinds of mindsets. And that's why it's called that even when our brethren have started getting some resources, they have arrived at the promised land. It's now difficult. So even pastors are their beck and call. What God wants to do with us and through us and in us is more than anything money can afford. Are you following what I'm saying? So he says, Daddy, I'm going to make a new covenant. I'm going to make a new covenant. A new heart. I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new spirit. We read Jeremiah 31, right? Let's quickly read Jeremiah 32 now, verse 37. Behold, I will gather them from out of all the countries where I've driven them in my anger. Look at this. I will gather them from the countries where I've driven them in my anger. Speaking to the nation. In my fury and in my great wrath. I'll bring them back to this place and I'll cause them to dwell safely. Verse 38. Now, please, although we're, we're, we're taking this a bit in a hurry, but pay attention to certain words that God is using constantly in this new covenant. They shall be my people, I will be their God. Always take note of that phrase. Always take note of that phrase. Always take note of that phrase. Then I'll give them one heart and one way. What's the one way? Oh, come on church, talk to me. What's the one way? Jesus! So you see, I said observe, pay attention to details. In Ezekiel, he told them, go get the new heart. But here, what is he saying? Have you observed the difference? What is he saying? I will give them one heart, one way that they may fear me forever. For the good of them and their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. That I will not turn away from doing them good. The everlasting covenant is that God will not turn away from doing us good. Why? Because even when we sin, we know that we have an advocate in the person of Jesus. And we can come back to God and say, God, I'm sorry I messed up. And the blood of Jesus covers that sin and we walk into the goodness of God. When you sin, you don't have a business with the devil. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. What we do, we acknowledge our sin, we confess our sin, we turn to the Lord Jesus, and instantly righteousness is credited to our account. It's an everlasting covenant. There's nothing you can do about it. Christ has been sacrificed once and for all. Look at this. And I'll make them an everlasting covenant. That I will not turn away from doing them good. I like this. Wow. That he won't turn away from doing us good. Imagine. Can you have this covenant? And God is watching generational curses ravage your family. 
and he wouldn't do anything about it? Absolutely no. He says, I will not turn away from doing them good. Look at this. Thank you, Lord. But I'll put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. It's like what, <laughs> it's like what God was saying. I'm going to give you grace to overcome sin. I'm going to give you grace to walk in righteousness. I know that man cannot keep the end of the bargain. But I'm going to make an everlasting covenant. And I'm going to put my fear in you. So like Joseph, even when no one is there, you say, I fear God. Look at this. Yes, I will rejoice over them to do them good. And I will assuredly plant them in this land. With all my heart and with all my soul. God speaking. That God is passionate about this. He's passionate. Go to Hebrews chapter 8. Praise the name of the Lord. Go to Hebrews chapter 8. Oh, thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus. I like preaching about redemption. Because this is what qualifies all of us. Praise the name of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. Verse 10 to 11. Thank you Father. Let's quickly read from verse 7. Quickly, 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 quickly. Oh, let's read from verse 6. Quickly, quickly. From verse 6. But now... Uh, let's read from verse 1. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We serve such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary, and of the true tabernacle which the Lord had erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there were priests who offered the gifts according to the Lord, who served the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle for he said see that you make all things according to the path shown you in the mount apostle had to say this everything in the old testament points to christ the passover lamb points to christ the two cherubs and the mercy seat in in the ark of the tabernacle points to the throne of grace everything in the old testament was a copy of that which was in heaven verse 7 for if that first covenant had been faultless then no place would have been sought for a second one so it means that there was fault in the old covenant what was the fault men broke the covenant it could be broken then look at this because finding fault with them he says finding fault with them so can you where are we now go to verse 7 quickly verse 7 verse 7 verse 7 for if the if that first covenant had been faultless then no place would have been sought for a second so faultless means there was a fault with the first covenant he now explains the fault of the first covenant in the eighth verse go to verse eight verse eight because finding fault with them so the fault of the old covenant was the fault of the people who couldn't keep it oh no come on are you understanding this now it also means if god now enters a new covenant with us in the old in the new testament it's still going to be faulted because we won't be able to keep the end of our bargain so what is the difference between the old and the new covenant he entered jesus christ took our place and entered the covenant for us so that it can be an eternal covenant so all we have to do to be part of that covenant is to believe in what jesus has done not what you can do listen if this does not deliver you there's no deliverance on the earth conducted by a man that can set you free no one let's read it because finding fault with them he says behold the days are coming says the lord <laughs> when i'll make a new covenant with the house of israel with the house of judah and he goes on to say what they were doing here was quoting jeremiah we have read before so let's look at verse 12 quickly for i will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins 
and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that he says a new covenant he has made the first obsolete and growing old which is ready to vanish away. So Christ brings this new covenant. Romans chapter 4. And you see somebody teaching generational courses all the way from the Old Testament. You can't find a New Testament scripture to teach this. You cannot find it because that covenant has been made obsolete. Romans chapter 4 verse 22. You know the reason most people won't teach this? You know if, if somebody keeps teaching you every day you will, you will always become independent of that person. Yeah? But if I say we have deliverance service, you know people are going to come in here, throwing up on the rug, rolling everywhere. It makes me seem very important. I am important. But my importance is in teaching you to have a personal relationship with God. Are you following what I'm saying? God is not raising a kingdom of superstars. He's raising a kingdom of priests and king unto our father. What's my job? Teach you to learn, to know God for yourself. We are brothers in the same family. I just have a responsibility of teaching. So it's like we're in the same family I'm the class monitor. It's the same school fees that was paid for me, that was paid for you, which is the blood of Jesus. It's the same God I serve that you serve. Jesus met Mary and said, listen, don't touch me. I'm going to your father and my father. Even Jesus Christ told Mary he's now your father and my father. But a prophet wants to go to God for you. God is telling me, I am hearing, I am seeing. What happened to your own ears? What happened to your own eyes? Why are you not seeing? Why are you blind? Go deeper, Papa. Go. Oh, Father. Tell me. It's true. It's true. And God is just like, did I, did the blood cover this one? If we teach this truth in our churches, in one year, this nation will be changed. You know why we can't take corruption out of this country? It's because all our testimonies in churches is based on how much money we have. So even if you go out there and steal and bring money, I'll give you this mic. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I just made two million. I just want to thank the Lord. See, that, how many of you believe that you are making your own two million? Some people will never make two million till they die. That's the truth. They don't have the education for it. They don't have the capacity for it. They don't have the attitude for it. They don't have the discipline for it. The, this Covenant does not ex- exempt you from, from hard work. Paul says we have labored with our own hands. No other organization should teach the dignity of labor like the Christian church. And we teach favor messages that make it look like God is very responsible. And you not hear people saying, you see somebody whose life has been in the same spot for the last 10 years. I know. When God will open my own case. When God will open my own fire. When God will do it. One day, it will be my turn. Turn for where? Where did we line up to? You don't realize one day that they are pouring sand on you. You are dead. Your turn is over. You never experienced. You just get into the word. And go about life. Engaging life. And say, listen, no matter what life brings. With Christ, I'm a victor. You go for it. Not sitting in church hoping that one day your phone is going to ring. They are going to make you president of the country. You know how hard Joseph worked? Now I'm diverting from my message. But I'll come back here. You know how hard Joseph worked? He worked so hard. A slave boy. A foreigner who comes into another nation. Worked so hard. He became the head of the servant. And Potiphar says, you are in charge of everything. And in fact, Joseph said, Potiphar has given me everything except you, the wife. You know that kind of trust that a foreigner, do you understand? A non-indigenous, that's what we understand now. A non-indigenous comes and works in the house of a bunny man until the bunny man now says, listen, it's only my wife you don't have control over, but the rest belongs to you. That boy must be a hard worker. They threw him into prison. The guy started working in prison until the prison warden gave him the key and said, well, Joseph, you are in let me just be relaxing. A prisoner was given responsibility over other prisoners, meaning that he didn't have prison behavior. Remember, he was not guilty for why he was thrown into prison. Because sometimes righteousness will throw you into prison for many years and people will forget you because you are a good man. 
you will suffer. So he was in prison. And he met this guy who was sad. And said, hey guy, why are you sad in prison? Imagine another prisoner asking the other prisoner, why are you sad? Means he was not sad. He showed up in prison that day, just laughing. Why are you sad? And he gives the dream. And I think his flesh was beginning to pull in a base. Oh boy, I'm here. Oh, I didn't commit the offense. If you go out there, sad. Just talk to king for me. That was like a Nigerian situation. They talked to a guy for me. <laughs> and you know what the scripture says? For two years, he forgot him. There is no amount of trying to put yourself in people's mind that will work if God does not speak on your behalf. All this text message, what's up? Eh? Happy birthday. Happy Sunday, sir. Happy Monday, sir. Happy Tuesday. You, you, you stop your, don't, don't, stop all those nonsense. Hanging around wealthy people, becoming a slave just because you want help. Go serve your God. The same God is rich towards us all. If God blesses one, he will bless the other. Put your house in order. Stop this attitude of hanging around people, trying to get favor. Wishing happy Sunday, happy Monday, happy Tuesday, happy, happy cloth day, happy, happy whatever day. Ah, it is where I just say, let me greet you. Greet other people. Then God who works. Puts a dream in the hearts of Pharaoh. And puts the interpretation in the hearts of Joseph. God made it in such a way that it was impossible to decode that dream without asking for Joseph. That's how God lifts men. He puts something in you and puts something somewhere else. And only God has that puzzle. He called Joseph. You know, after they have forgotten you for two years, you learn to rest in the hands of God. He called Joseph. And Joseph said, this is the interpretation. This is, this, this, this is what we happen. 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 The first thing, Joseph shaved because he knew that to appear before pharaoh they didn't like beards you want to be successful you don't know anything even the capital of nigeria you are confused and i say i thought it was asaba and yet you are praying one day it will be my turn god say if i put you there you will sell this country just go and sign the country off we will be preaching here we know that we have been sold and god does and you see when you have learned to trust god you can walk away from opportunities he said look for among you a wise man and put him in charge did he say um sir you know, I'm going to release uh, part A of this vision. But the part B is with me. You know, I consult for Jehovah. If you need me, call me. No, 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 no. No. God looked at Joshua and says, Today, I will magnify you in the presence of the children of Israel. God can lift you up. Samuel's mother prayed. He says, He takes the poor from the dunghill and set them among princes. God can shift people. God can shift positions. God can open doors. In nations you never dreamed of. A priest in pulpit in this world, in my wildest imagination, I thought I'd never step there. You know what happened? Says, look for anybody. Where is the black Maria? Let me be going back to prison. And Pharaoh looked and said, who amongst us has this kind of wisdom? Without consulting anybody, makes him the number two. Don't forget, he was not a citizen of Egypt. Have you seen his part of favor? Chapter four. That, I've just taught you now how to secure favor. Are you hearing this? That is how long it took him to be prime minister. It's not a 24 hour miracle. You will wake up today. Tomorrow you'll be a prime minister. You will sleep as a prisoner. Tomorrow you will wake up as a governor. You have been sleeping for 15 years. You have only waking up in the bedroom you have been woke. It is deceptive. Romans 4.22 And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone. Abraham, Abraham, Abraham believed God that he was able to perform that which he promised. It was not written for his sake alone, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Praise the name of the Lord. Two words are there. Offenses. The Greek word paraptomai, it means to fall besides or something. To have a lapse. To deviate from the truth or a sin. Unintentional error or willful transgression. Jesus was raised, was put on the cross for our intentional error 
or our willful transgression. The other word there is justification. In the Greek is diakosis. It means the act of God declaring men free from guilt and acceptable to him. That's what justification means. We are declared free from guilt. We are now accepted before the Lord. He was delivered up because of our offenses. And was raised because of our justification. And all we have to do to get into this new covenant is to believe in this. Is to believe that Jesus was raised up for my sins and the sins of my fathers. But was put on the cross for, the, for my sins and the sins of my fathers. But he was now raised up for my justification. Praise the name of the Lord. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 and to 13. He says, we have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. And we are now brought into the kingdom of the son of his love. I like that title, the son of his love. Because it's a covenant of love. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16. That he gave his only beloved son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Or have eternal life. We now have eternal life at work in us. Glory to the name of the Father. Not deaths, not curses. Eternal life now runs in my family. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's look at two scriptures. John chapter 1 verse 12. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. The life of God is at work in me. The life of God is at work in my family. Praise the name of the Lord. John chapter 1 verse 12. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But as many as received them, to them he gave the rights. The legal right, the authority to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name. Look at verse 13. Who were born not of blood. This is where the the chemistry begins to change. It means that it's not the same blood that your father has. That you now have. That's why God can change someone with a sickle cell and get them healed. Not a blood. That's why God can heal someone of, of HIV. Not a blood. That's why God can heal anyone with blood diseases. Praise the name of the Lord. Not of the will of the flesh. Not of the will of man. But of God. No longer are we connected to our natural ancestry. We are not born of the will of God. How do we know that? First Peter chapter 1 verse 23 tells us that. That we are now being given birth to. By the incorruptible seed. That word seed, that is the same word used for sperm. The incorruptible seed of God's word. We are product of God's word. We are product of the gospel. We are product of the truth of God's word. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Say Corinthians 5. 17. He that is in Christ is a new creature. All things are passed away. All things have become new. Everything about you has become new. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Thank you Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Galatians chapter 3. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Galatians chapter 3. I'm a new man in Christ. I'm a new man in Christ. I'm a new man in Christ. That's what you should tell yourself. I'm born again. The seed of God is at work in me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Galatians chapter 3. Oh, it's so intoxicating to learn the truth of the new man in Christ. It shows you who you really are. Galatians chapter 3. I just want to read one verse. I just want to read one verse. Okay, let's read to verse 29. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Look at this. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You're not just the son of Ogaga. 
You're not just the son of Brown. You're not just the son of Banigo. You're not just the son of whatever name your father bear. He says you're not the son of God. True faith. In Christ Jesus. And in this family line, there are no curses. The line is as pure as it will ever be. <laughs> Hallelujah. Friends, many of you have been baptized into Christ. Have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. What promise? The promise of the new covenant. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Thank you Lord Jesus. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 20. Now may the God of peace. What does that mean? The God of shalom. The one that is not offended at us. <laughs> now may the God of peace. Who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead. The one who was raised for our justification. That great shepherd of the sheep. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. The blood is of the everlasting covenant. Make you complete in every good work. To do his will. He's making us complete to do what? To do his will. Pleasing him in his sight. Through Jesus Christ. To whom be glory forever and ever. This is the only work that God is doing in us right now. Walking in us to do his good pleasure. He's training us in righteousness. Not in curses. Hallelujah. I said not in curses. Hallelujah. God is training us in righteousness. He's walking in us. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. That's the blood that flows in my veins right now. That's the blood that flows in my veins right now. Sin has no dominion over me anymore. I don't expect the failures of my father to be repeated in my life. I'm now a son of God. I'm born again. I'm a new creature. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of the father. Come on, let's be on our faith. Glory. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.